everybody, and welcome to the John Riley Project. It's Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. We're halfway through December. Christmas is coming. I think we got all kinds of things to talk about today. The big highlight for today is I really want to go through um, a discussion that Elon Musk had. Um, He was being interviewed by the Wall Street Journal about a week or so ago, and he made a lot of really interesting comments about electric vehicles, about Biden's infrastructure plan, about tax rates and regulations. And there were just so many jumping off opportunities in that video that I thought would be a lot of fun to discuss. So we're going to get into that. And, you know, I, I, I we'll probably get into some local topics as well, you know, because we're here in Poway, the city in the country, 92064. So I like to cover some topics here in my hometown of Poway and in broader San Diego. So that's kind of the game plan here. Um, you know, we're I'm, I'm trying to experiment a little bit here. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, you can tell that I'm using a different camera. And this is my Mevo camera, which is the one I usually do. Um, you know, actually, I was using it early on in the podcast history before I switched to my Sony camera. But I wanted to use this because I can experiment and play with things like I can just zoom in on me or I can move things around. So I've been scrambling, getting that set up and making sure we were good to do the YouTube. And I think we're okay now. So I think we're going to be ready to roll, but welcome. Thanks for joining us. You know, we are live streaming on YouTube and Facebook. That means that you can participate. I welcome your thoughts and comments. Just type them in. They'll pop up on my screen and I'll read them on the air and we'll have a bit of a discussion. So yeah, so it's it's December 15th, and I think the big news on December 15th is the mask mandate is back with COVID. Um, you know, this this came into the news cycle like a, a couple of days ago where California officials, Gavin Newsom, or, you know, one of the people under his wing, enacted another mask um, requirement for COVID. The mask requirement is for all public places, so stores and restaurants and and it's going to be for the next month. And um, I went and went in to visit, get my mail over at the Postal Annex here in Poway. And there's a sign, you know, and it's funny, this mask issue. It's like, here we go again. Right. Um, I'm not I'm not an anti-mask guy, but I'm not like a virtue signal mask guy either. You know, I'm kind of for me, it's not that big of a deal. You know, just put on a mask going into a store. I don't know. How do you feel about it? You know, feel free to leave your thoughts and comments. But, you know, I, I remember I rolled into Postal Annex, saw my buddy Dennis, and he's wearing a mask. He looks at me and he goes, here we go again. And he's a good sport and he handles it in stride. And so I was I think I'm trying to do the same with this, but it's just kind of a tough time. You know, we're going into the holiday season. This Omicron virus is really kicking in um, and we don't really know enough about it. I mean, indicators are that it's going to be more. Is the, what's, what's the right word? Virulent virulent it'll spread faster but maybe the symptoms aren't quite as severe so let's hope that the symptoms are are milder but you know this is christmas time when we get together with family and friends we're going to be indoors so it's just you kind of wonder are we ever going to get through this covid situation we're now on what month number 21 i think of this um of this cycle. Remember in the beginning, they said 15 days to flatten the curve and then we'll be, you know, in a good spot, but we're now going on two years. Um, so not, you know, my thoughts on this are, you know, I see a lot of people comment on, on Facebook and there's some people that are, 
you know, they just love telling the world that they like to wear their mask. You know, it's like they it's a virtue signal device for some people to a certain degree. Sure, they want to protect themselves. Sure, they want to protect other people. But they basically want to tell the world that they're protecting other people. Then I know others. One guy here in town in Poway, we've talked about him. His name's Mike. And he likes to go around purposely not wearing a mask, even where there is a mask mandate and just challenging it at every step of the way, which surprisingly, he doesn't get as much resistance as you think he would um, from some of the stories he tells. But anyways, that's where we are with this. Um, what else do I want to comment on? I, you know, one one topic I want to just touch on briefly before we get into the Elon Musk um, interview. Not that I'm interviewing Elon Musk. I'll be showing his interview with the Wall Street Journal on YouTube, and we'll go through a bit of it and comment on it. But the, um, you know, I live here in Poway, uh, the city and the country, and there's a recall effort going on for our mayor right now. Mayor Steve Voss is, um, there's a recall, I guess, you know, there's a process going on where they're collecting signatures. And I don't remember the exact number, but they've got to get roughly about 6,500 signatures to get this ballot proposition you know, or to get it on the ballot. And I think they're aiming for June of 2022 um, and, and to recall Steve Voss. And the, the list of reasons for this, you know, they've been covered pretty extensively here in our community. People are upset about some of the construction. They're upset about the way he governs, the way he appoints people to council. Um, there, and there's been a lot of, um, I guess, how, how should I say, people questioning the legality of Mayor Voss's um, charity efforts, his fundraising efforts. And, you know, he's about to start the next Carols for Candlelight. I think that's coming up this weekend. Um, but it's, it's an ongoing thing. But the interesting point of this is, is that the signature gatherers have been at it for about a month, maybe month and a half. And the question is always asked to them, how many signatures do you have? And they are sort of being coy. They, they won't, they won't say, you know, which tends to, it makes me believe that, you know, if they had a lot of signatures, if they already had 2000 signatures, 3000 signatures, if they were already halfway to their 6,500 number, then they would probably say that they would probably say, we've got momentum. We've got these numbers to build enthusiasm and to get people on their side. But the fact that they're evasive about sharing the numbers kind of makes me wonder if the signature counts are quite a bit lower, that maybe they're not doing as well as they had hoped. But, but we never know because they don't share the numbers. Um, but it is an interesting topic. And, and you know, again, if, if the mayor of Poway is recalled, if they're able to get the signatures, get it on the ballot, which is going to be a major effort, in my opinion, I would say the odds are against them getting enough signatures. But even if they did, they would still have to get a 50 percent plus one vote to remove him. But then if they were able to do it and if the stars aligned and they got it on the June ballot, you know, which would supposedly only cost about fifty thousand dollars. Well, then you're recalling Mayor Voss with about what would it be like four months left in his term, five months left in his term. So you kind of wonder, does this make sense? Is it just better just to ride this out and have someone run against him in November? Um, but then, you know, the worst case scenario is, is if they do happen to get enough signatures, but for whatever reason, they're not able to qualify to get on the June ballot. Then they would have to have a special election in July or in August. And then not only 
would that be a special election for a recall with even less months left in Mayor Voss's term? But it would then be something that would cost a lot more money. And I've I've heard numbers all over the map, 300,000, 500,000. I mean, it would be a lot more. Now, granted, if we're talking about a recall of a public official, if the if the charges against that public official are so severe, then almost the cost doesn't matter. Almost. I mean, because that's what democracy is all about, right? Democracy is we, we vote people in and in special circumstances, we can vote them out. I like that. That's one of the things about recalls that I really like is it keeps politicians on their toes, knowing that they could be held accountable at any time. I think that's a positive thing. Um, but it is the timing on this is very unusual just because it is so near the end of his term. And frankly, if if for whatever reason, Mayor Voss survives this, and I think if you're if you're an odds maker in Las Vegas and you're setting the table for the odds, you would think the odds are, in, you know, forever in, in his favor. And so I think there's a good chance that, that this may not even qualify for the ballot. But if it does, um, uh, and if it does qualify in the ballot, and let's say he survives the recall, well, in many ways, that's going to empower Mayor Voss, empower his agenda, his people, and at the same time, frankly, pull the rug out from under a lot of the, how should I say, the vocal minority that is frequently protesting at City Hall. So there's a lot of interesting ways this whole thing is playing out um, in terms of the political dynamics in our town, the timing, the money, and whether or not Mayor Voss really should be recalled. Um, the, you know, the proponents of the recall have made a pretty strong case. Some people think it's serious. Some people don't think it's serious at all. Um, well, we're going to find out more and I'll report more as the story unfolds. Um so, oh my! It's it is Christmas time, and it, it appears that the, the 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 bells are jingling, the the halls are decked, and I think we have a guest arriving in the podcast studio. And if you're watching on video, you'll see him, and there he is. It's Santa. Santa, how you doing? Santa's cousin. Okay. <laughs> Representing Candy Cane Lane. Candy Cane Lane. Okay, so Pete, you have to talk in the microphone. Okay, I'll talk in the microphone. And you can look at the audience because they're all here. They love seeing you as well. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. So you were getting a little uh, serious there about Poway, and I I just wanted to bring a little bit of what you saw (laughs) on Saturday night. You toured Candy Cane Lanes. Yeah. So let's share the experience here with the audience. So um, Pete and, and his and his lovely wife invited myself and my wife to their home. We had a nice dinner and ground zero for Candy Cane. Yes, it's right. I mean, Candy Cane Lane in Poway, if you haven't been there, it's it's uh, kind of a community of three cul-de-sacs that are all joined by a common yep. road. Yep. But it's this little nook in Poway where the people there go absolutely crazy decorating the whole community. And it's called in, in, in the paperwork, <laughs> when you buy a home in the neighborhood, it says this neighborhood is known to decorate to excess. <laughs> well, so. to excess is not giving the credit <laughs> that it deserves because it was so over the top 
and I mean this in a positive way. Yeah. It was so over the top. It was unbelievable. And when you pull, if you pull into Candy Cane Lane during the Christmas season, there are people backed up. I mean, it's like you can only drive three miles an hour and you can only kind of follow this certain little pathway as it weaves in and out of the cul-de-sacs. Yeah. But it was like there were people on the streets, music playing. There were families and children running up and down the sidewalk. There were families offering free cocoa in front of their home. Some had fire pits. Other people had projection that we saw um, decorations that were either about Santa um, and the and the Santa theme. In some cases, they were religious. So um, whether it be Christian or Jewish, we saw both of those in the community. Yes, we have several Hanukkah bushes. <laughs> right. There you go. And and then there was also just a lot of, you know, Disney characters. And uh, and, and it was just generally really fun. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you for inviting us. We had a great time. Well, I, your podcast get on the serious side of Poway's issues. And I really wanted to give you a baptism under fire. <laughs> you know, I, I really wanted you to see what a neighborhood we've been doing this for 25 years. Yeah, this is this is a uh, a long time event back when I could actually get up on my roof and decorate the roof. Um, yeah, this this is a fun time now. <laughs> Um, people tell me, oh, your house is beautiful. And I say, no, it's just short of ludicrous. I mean, <laughs> it's not beautiful at all. It's, it's a collection of decorations for 25 years, you know, and I tell the story to everybody. They want to know about the candy canes around all the driveways. Yeah. And there are now some store-bought candy canes around driveways, but the original candy canes of candy cane lane, there's nothing but PVC pipe. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, when we moved into the neighborhood um, around October, November of the very first year, we got a flyer in the mailbox, somebody's just an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And they stuck it in the mailbox and it was instructions on how to make the candy canes. This was, Prior to thanks, prior to Halloween. Right. You know, so Wendy, she says, nobody's telling me how to make decorations. And she threw it in the trash. Yeah. So at that point in time, we were going north to L.A. for family Thanksgiving up there. And we came back into the neighborhood that Sunday night, Thanksgiving weekend night. And the neighborhood was decorated. And they all had these candy canes lining every driveway. So how long ago was this when it was just a candy cane decoration? That, uh, that was had to be 96, okay. 97. So like 25 years ago. Yeah. 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 So immediately we got home and we went routing through the trash looking to wear those damn instructions on them and make these things. And we found them, believe it or not, in the recyclables. So they were there. And you just heat it up on a barbecue pit and you wrap it around and then you wrap it with electrical tape and you got a candy cane. So this, so it started with a couple of people in your neighborhood that were just sort of community dynamos, some ringleaders, well, and they just kind of got everyone organized. They wanted a sense of unity to the cul-de-sac. Okay. All right. Where all the driveways would be similarly decorated. It was their only theme. You could decorate the rest of the house however you wished. But they really wanted to encourage the unity 
of the candy canes. Did they, was it intended for just a single cul-de-sac in the beginning or did they really go for the three cul-de-sac community? I have no idea where they distributed that eight and a half by 11 <laughs> sheet of paper around the entire yeah. neighborhood. But um, in my frantic attempts to join in, um, I can only say Butterwood Court. I can only speak to Butterwood Court. I, I don't really know because walking the neighborhood didn't exist then. Right. All right. I mean, this is a neighborhood where you go to work, you're waving to your neighbors, and that's about it for communication for the entire year. Right. But what it evolved into was the thanks starting on Thanksgiving weekend and the first, you know, that week that follows into December, you're out in your front yard decorating and you're talking to your neighbors and you're finding out who they are, who they find out who you are. And it's a real neighborhood feeling. Yeah. So um, that was the big plus was in the month of December, we were a neighborhood with neighbors talking to neighbors out in front of the house, you know, putting decorations together. But but at 25 years ago, it was just a neighborhood thing. It yeah. wasn't like you were this special attraction that people drove, nope. you know, miles and miles to come see. No, if you had forgotten something like a vegetable for dinner, you could go out at seven, six, seven o'clock and go get vegetables from the store with no problem. Can you do that now? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> if, if you need to do any shopping whatsoever, you have to do it before five o'clock mm -hmm. because after five o'clock, the street is packed. Yeah. All right. Um, then people started parking their cars and walking the neighborhood. And that's probably in the 15-year category, 15 to 20-year category is when people mm -hmm. started parking and walking the neighborhood. Of course, if you park your cars on the streets, you can't, people who are driving can't see the decorations because they got to park the whole cul-de-sacs are lined with parked cars. Mm -hmm. So that's when we put, people started putting trash cans out in front of their house to prohibit people from parking in front of their house. So the decorations could be set. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that moved everything out on the carriage road, which is not a big thing because the crowds were not that intense. And we had Silverset Park there. I mean, there's nothing, you know, there at night. Um. So then it got worse over the last 10 years, and now it's, you know, thousands of people walk through that neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I mean, there easily could have been over a thousand people there on Saturday, just night. On Saturday night, just for a few hours. Right. Um, because there were people parked blocks and blocks away. Mm -hmm. I mean, on Carriage Road, going up the hill to the Palisades. Well, it's also and then spreading, too, John. you got to keep in mind that what we have <laughs> created in, in it's, it's almost as contagious as COVID. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> because it's not just the three cul-de-sacs anymore. It, it's spread out. It's going down Carriage Road. It's going yeah. up into the Palisades. Yeah. People are decorating. And I love, I love the hell out of this. This is... The way a neighborhood should be. Yeah. All right. And I'm not talking, you know, houses that are not even can't even be seen from the road. You know, I don't expect them to decorate the house. You can't see it without being on their property. But right. neighborhoods where the houses are on the street, let's damn it for one month out of the year. Let's be neighbors. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, but it's gotten to the point now. There's so many people that roll through that neighborhood. It's probably hard to connect with your neighbors. Yeah, because it's just turned into no, this we, sensation. No, we, because you notice the fires in the driveway. The yeah. Fire pits. Yeah. Well, that sort of circulates around the neighborhood. All right. So the people that you saw gathered around the fires were probably two or three houses gathered together, or an extra friends. Ah. Over. Okay. Okay. Um. The week of Christmas is when I usually fire up my fire pit because I've got a limited amount of fuel source. Okay. Uh, I, I The popsicle sticks that I have throughout the year, popsicle sticks, folks. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, you can see the, yeah. the Santa likeness is due to popsicles. 40 calories per popsicle. Okay. But I save the sticks. Really? So that's your fuel? That's my popsicle fuel. Popsicle sticks? Popsicle sticks. You must have a lot of popsicle sticks <laughs> to, yes. to get a fire going. I'm keeping Stater Brothers in business. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I had to abandon Stater Brothers because they couldn't keep up with my demand. So I'd go to Walmart and pick them up there. So <laughs> augment the supply of popsicles. Okay. So that, that makes sense. And so I guess... The, the fire pit is sort of like an unofficial signal to your neighbors to come by and We're visit and let's just enjoy our company, right? Right. right? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And it also attracts the people who are working, walking by. It attracts them to come up and warm their hands or whatever by the fire. Yeah. And you can engage in conversation and find out who they are yeah. and what's going on with them. I mean, I think I told you the story about my special visitors, I'm not sure I told you Saturday or not why we were walking the neighborhood. But on Christmas Eve, about seven, eight years ago, I was out in my driveway. Uh, Chris, don't, don't listen. I, I was smoking my cigarette. <laughs> you? Santa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, well, I wasn't, I wasn't dressed to the Right, 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 right. I didn't have my Christmas <laughs> Eve uniform on. Um no, I was just out, and there was a couple coming down the street, and um, she was dressed in an evening gown. Really? And he was dressed in a tuxedo. And that's just not Poway. That's not. Right. Well, you, yeah. don't, you don't ever see an evening gown in a tuxedo in Poway. Yeah, that would be unusual. They're, yeah. You know, tuxedos and evening gowns, people are exiting or coming back <laughs> from somewhere. <laughs> right, right, right. So... I, they stood out and they walked their way around the cul-de-sac and they came to the driveway and I said, Merry Christmas. I don't go happy holidays. I go Merry Christmas. Okay, good for you. And they came back in a very thick Middle Eastern accent and I could not understand what they were saying. Hmm. Obviously Middle Eastern accent though. Okay. They, they were struggling very hard. And I said, uh, so you're not from around here. You're from where? And he very proudly said, Bethlehem. Oh. And I said, Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, he says, the Bethlehem. I said, I've got people who look absolutely spectacular in my driveway on Christmas Eve from Bethlehem. And they says, yes. 
I says, excuse me, I'm going to bed. And I turned around <laughs> and went into the house because <laughs> obviously something was happening. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, yes, we have international visitors as well as local San Diegans. I mean, we got people from yeah. all over coming. Yeah. Tour buses. Yeah. Those are always fun to watch. Watch a tour bus, a full, you know, double-decker bus come into the cul-de-sac and then try to figure out how to turn around. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. So, fun times. You know, it's 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 awesome because the energy was obviously so positive, right? Yep. You know, because, you know, there, there's a lot of stress in people's lives. And, you, you know, you get a person on the wrong day, they could be angry with you. But there's none of that. I mean, there was... There was literally joy, celebration, friendship, community. Uh, there were children. There were parents. There were elderly folks, and everyone was smiling. Um, there were people singing, and there were literally Christmas carolers singing. Except the guys. A significant percentage of the guys trudge the neighborhood. I'm serious. Uh-huh. All right. They're very reluctant to move up into the driveway. They're in the street. Right. Okay. Typically pushing a baby carriage mm-hmm. or some device with everything that the family owns in this wagon. Right. Okay. The kids are running all over the place. The mothers have the cameras or the grandparents have the cameras, depending on how big the family is. You know, they're taking pictures of everything. And, but the guys are really reluctant to get involved. So every once in a while, I bring Calypso out into the driveway, (laughs) something for the guys to talk about. And then Wednesday night, I had the North County Corvette Club there. Oh, nice. We had Corvettes in all the driveways. Oh, wow. (laughs) And we got asked the obvious question, you know, do you have to own a Corvette to live here? And the answer is yes. (laughs) You know, but we had a good time. I mean, uh, I had I made a special point. (laughs) Of parking, I knew whose cars were which, obviously. I'm a member of the club. So I made a special point to get all the high horsepower cars in my driveway. I had 2,400 horsepower in my driveway. Wow. That's great. Yeah. All right. That happened. That was the Wednesday before you came. Yeah. Yeah. So like a week ago today. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been told ever since that Saturday when we were spotted on the our ride around the neighborhood that I shouldn't be talking about horsepower anymore. Dressed as I am, folks, I'm told to be using reindeer power. <laughs> so yeah. I've got to do a little research to find out what is reindeer power equivalent to in horsepower. Well, reindeer power is magical. So maybe it can't be measured. There's got to be some way to measure it. <laughs> anyway. Um, anything else you want to know about Candy Cane Lanes that you didn't find out about? Or? Well, I, again, I, folks, if you're watching the live stream on YouTube or Facebook and you have a question for Santa's helper um, or questions. Cousin. Cousin. cousin pardon me. For Santa's cousin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you have questions about Candy Cane Lane or comments, if you've been to Candy Cane Lane, you want to share your experience, just type them in on Facebook and YouTube and we'll see them here. We'll read them on the air. But, um, you know, I know there's other Candy Cane Lanes, you know, or similar. Yeah, there's eight of them in the San Diego County. Eight 
neighborhoods that are recognized as um, neighborhoods that decorate to excess. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's funny that when you buy a house, it's actually written in to one of the documents because you don't have an HOA there, but there's probably no. something that you have to be told in advance yep. that this is going to happen. Imagine if you didn't know and you bought a home and then this happens like the day after Thanksgiving. Like what happened to us essentially. I mean, it was, it was cardiac arrest when we pulled into the street and it was all decorated and we were not, we were the one house not decorated. <laughs> but that was just the PVC pipes. That, I mean, no, that, there were no decorations up in the house. Okay. <laughs> so I had to get to work and get the place decorated, you know, quickly, mm -hmm. plus making the candy canes. Right. This stuff. So, yeah. And then the storage issues. People want to know about the storage issues. Oh, yeah. Where I store it all. And uh, being an ex-submarine sailor, I know the advantages of nooks and crannies. And I can hide <laughs> Christmas decorations right. in every little nook and cranny. Well, I'll say this is that your wife also does a spectacular job decorating the inside of your home, which is unbelievable. It's like I was walking into a Christmas gift store. There were so many Santas and figurines and and uh, pictures on the wall and just decorations everywhere. It was splendid. I was in a completely different environment. For family and friends, we have the games for inside the house yeah. where you have to count the number of Santa Clauses on display, the number of snowmen on display, and the number of elves on display. <laughs> All right. Well, there were easily over a hundred Santas that I saw in your house. Oh, very easily. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're about 30% of the actual count, <laughs> but it, it's got to be redone every year. Well, yeah. Because she keeps, we keep adding to it. I mean, she bought, she bought a Santa that I think is great. <laughs> it's, it's Santa is dressed in pajamas this little ceramic Santa is dressed in pajamas. He's holding a mug of obvious hot chocolate with mushrooms on it. Yeah. Right? And he, it's obvious he just woke up. You know, this is Christmas morning Santa Claus, and he's right in the kitchen now. He's our Christmas. He's our kitchen decoration mm -hmm. for Christmas this year. And I, I think he's great. Awesome. So the kids are going to have to spend a little bit more time in the kitchen counting the Santas this year. So, Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, if you folks, if you're listening or watching the podcast, if you haven't had a chance to go to candy cane lane in Poway, I recommend it. It's um, what's the it's, main cross streets. There? Okay. Coming from Poway road. Yeah. Okay. You're going to go North on carriage road. Okay. Go over one speed bump. Okay. Mm -hmm. And take a left. Okay. All right. If you're coming from Twin Peaks, you go up into the Palisades, mm -hmm. take a left, go over one speed bump, and take a right, and you'll be there. Okay. Actually, it's easier than that. If you're coming off of Poway Road, I mean, yeah, Poway Road, go north on carriage. And follow the cars. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what we <laughs> if do. You're, if you're coming off of Twin Peaks, turn on the Palisades Drive, go up the hill, mm -hmm. and follow the cars. Yeah, that, that, I mean that's what we we're when after we, five. <laughs> yeah, 
but you're right. It, it, it's, it's spreading like, uh, like Omicron <laughs> throughout that community. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great event. I mean, it's so much fun. And the people were, the energy was so positive. Yeah. And it's it, a, it's it really a great is. showcase of our community here in Poway. And, you know, it, it shows it's a great thing that despite our differences, and I'll tell you, politically, there are differences in the cul-de-sac. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. That's just, uh, that's just life. But at Christmas? Oh, yeah. That's all set aside. It's all set aside. Yeah. And we are a neighborhood. Now, does everybody come out? Not everybody comes out all the time. But right. once they're out, they're engaged. Right. And that's the important part that we're talking. Uh, most of the time, it's about... Well, should we put a string of lights across the houses and dangle it? Out? Well, we did that one year and we got in trouble with the double-decker bus because he came down. Oh, and the yeah. string of lights was oh. interfering with the passengers yeah. on the top of the double-decker yeah. bus. Yeah. So, yeah. And City of Powell, I got a little upset when we were using the lamppost as the trunk of a Christmas tree. <laughs> they didn't go for that. But – um they, they've become very helpful. They put up a caution sign uh, entering the neighborhood. The city of Poway put up a, you know, mm-hmm. please be mindful of your trash. Right. So, yes, we don't have as big a problem with people dumping their coffee cups and snacks and stuff around the neighborhood as they were. Well, I noticed that there's some well-placed trash cans along the walk, which is great. And people are using it and they're courteous. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it is funny. I noticed that some of the the street signs, you know, which are kind of technically city property, mm-hmm. are fully decorated. Fully decorated. You know, um, and uh, it's 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 good that the city. I mean, the city could be a real Scrooge on this if they chose to. Oh, they could. Yeah. You know, good, but, but they've. But that's when you get to the worker bee level in the city of Poway. Yeah. Everybody I've ever run into is very good. Yeah. Yeah, that okay. makes sense. Um, I'm on first name basis with the guys that come around and read the water meters. Oh, right on. You know, mm-hmm. we had issues years ago and we've talked to him and that's how I got to know him. Nice. So um, it's the changes that are coming into Poway at, it seems, in an amazing trend right now. You know, and the general, everybody here knows I ran for city council. And the overwhelming thing I heard from the people that I talked to was, does it have to happen all at once? Right. You know, do we have to go to four stories right off the bat? Mm -hmm. You know, can it be an evolutionary type thing? Yeah. yeah. First. That's reasonable. That was a reasonable and one step at a time. Slow mm-hmm. progress, but no, that's not the way it's happening. So, you know, my, uh, if I lived on Garden Road now, I'd probably have a 20 minute commute to get to Interstate 50. Well, you know, I, I was on Poway Road this morning mm-hmm. and uh, obviously the construction hasn't started at the Bowling Alley Thrift Store location. Mm-hmm. It's just fenced off. Um, the, the construction at the Poway Commons is at least near the street is, is gone. I mean, two lanes, both directions, everything was rolling fine this morning. Not when I went through. Okay. They had one lane shut down. So they were, they were doing something with the manhole. 
Okay. It's very close to um, what's the street by Jack in the Box? Uh, Pomerado. No, 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 no. By Jack, by, by Taco Bell, excuse me, Taco Bell. Terrascan. Terrascan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my ter- my district. I should know this. <laughs> they don't. But yeah. there's something with the manhole cover. They were okay. not right. And they had one lane shut down. Okay. Then that can be yeah. havoc. Yeah. And then you go down further where the outpost is. And yeah, that's a big hole in the ground and it's stuck and it's not happening. But at least there's no disruption any longer in front of the right. street. Um, right. And then you went, Pomerado is kind of getting a little easier to navigate too. I was actually impressed with um, the ride over here just now to crash your <laughs> I'm sorry I'm dominating this thing. I'll, I'm going to get out of here and let him get back no, but, on here. To- well, we, you, well, Santa didn't, you know, drive Calypso. Santa took the reindeer and the sled and flew over Poway, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I came down Pomerado Road. Okay. And I was amazed at how level and smooth Yeah, it was. And I, I'll tell you, my tires, I'm going to replace them now. I'm gonna, they're being on order. They're going to mm-hmm. be at discount tire. I'm going to go get my tires changed at discount tire tomorrow. Um, or Friday, I don't know. Um, but I was amazed with my stiff old tires. That road was very smooth it, it, where they've paved. Correct. You, you know, if you go, you know, north of Stone Canyon on Pomerado, mm-hmm. like into more into Rancher Bernardo, Pomerado is still a little, how should that's I say, city. is that's lumpy. City. Yeah. That's San Diego. Correct. We've got to talk Poway. Okay. Well, the San Diego part is still lumpy. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm hopeful that they're going to just do a, a once over to really make it nice. Let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope. I mean, but, you know, the, I guess the grander point is, is that I think we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel for the, the gas line on Pomerado Road. Right. And then the Poway Commons, there's far less disruption on Poway Road than there's than there's ever been. Right. And that's positive, too. Yeah, until until the next wave. Yeah, yeah, and, which and I got you. It's come that way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's uh, I wanted to stay Christmassy. Okay, right, right. We we keep it positive. Um, <laughs> so, but you know, thank you for inviting Kim and I at, at your home, and it was wonderful. It was a great time. Um, the best soup I've had in decades. You like that? It was really good. <laughs> um, and uh, it and, was a warming factor because it was cold that. Oh yeah, it was. But just the the whole neighborhood and and uh, and then the the horse and carriage was unbelievable too. Um, two horsepower, two horsepower. I mean, this was like <laughs> if you're a Seinfeld fan, this is like when Kramer um, had you remember old Rusty that was the um, uh, the horse and ate the beefarino. <laughs> so it was like one of those, but with, with a larger you know, bed, like a pickup truck bed, sort of in the back mm-hmm. where there were eight or 10 of us and piled in and, yep. and, and that was wonderful. And so thanks for inviting us. we got some comments here on the live stream uh, from Dennis page. Uh, you make a great Santa Pete. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I've been working on all year, Dennis? You've seen me around town. So yeah, uh, this, this was for this year. Um, I, I had to be Santa for this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think it's no awesome. fake beard, no fake hair. This is genuine Santa lookalike. Right, you're authentic. Yep. And you know, Dennis, just to let you know, when we went over to Hawaii, the beard was almost as long as it is now. 
Yeah, it's been longer in the past, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's about as long as I've ever. I I can actually see it now. I just looked down and I can actually see my beard. This is very cool. I mean, I've had beards on and off throughout my life, but this one is Niners. Okay, right on. You know, but I was in the airport and waiting at the gate for my flight and just normally travel clothes. And there was this little girl who had her arms wrapped around her mom's leg and she was not letting go. Mm. If she could have wrapped her feet around the leg, I think she would have done that too. But she was panicky. (laughs) All right. She was petrified of something Mm -hmm. and staring at me. And it took me a couple of seconds to realize I'm scaring the hell out of this little girl. Yeah. You know, she's 18 months to two years old, you know, and all of a sudden the mother pays attention to the little girl that's clinging onto the leg and she looks down and she says something to the little girl and the little girl says something back. And so they, she starts digging, the mother starts digging into her carry on luggage. All right. And she pulls out this bunny rabbit and she gives it to the little girl. Little girl, let's go, let's go over mom's leg, takes the bunny rabbit, comes running over to me and says, thank you. I've loved him ever since Christmas. Uh-huh. And I said, holy shit. <laughs> this little girl is panicking because yeah. she thinks she's seeing Santa Claus at right. the airport. Right. And I said, oh. This is cool stuff. And I've got to be aware of it when I'm walking around Poway mm-hmm. that I could be flipping out little kids. <laughs> and it happens in my driveway now. Well, yeah, like this time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's coming. People are going, hi, Santa. And I said, no, I'm his cousin. It's just a family resemblance. <laughs> you know, everybody laughs. You know, yeah, yeah. It's great. But yeah, Christmas Eve will be a different story. I have the suit. Okay, well, I bet Santa must fly first class, right? No, 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 not the no. We Wendy picked up this really cheap air for. I think we flew over to Maui for like two hundred fifty bucks or something. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, five hundred Ram trip. Right on. But yeah, uh, legroom none. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you're you're tucked. You're you're cooped up. But for six hours, I can handle it because I know I'm going to Hawaii. Mm Hmm. Then I spent, this time I spent two weeks there. Yeah. In Hawaii for two weeks this time. So I was anxious to get home. Yeah. So another six hour flight back, not a problem. Not a problem. Well, we got one more question on the live stream from Ed Franklin. And he's asking, are you running for city council next year? (sighs) I was kind of hoping this question to come up. I don't know, Ed, to answer your question. Right now I'm making preparations to run for city council. Um, I don't know whether I will or won't. I have yet to have my conversation with Dave, who is uh, no longer running. And um, I I need to think about it in all seriousness to whether – What I was after in the first election was a change of thinking about how city councils should run. And I wanted to go to a representative form of government. And that's what I was after. I didn't have a platform of my own, and I still don't have a platform of my own. 
Should I have one? Should I be a politician? These are things that I'm wrestling with. But if people want to bring to power a thing called representative government, where I have to get information from my neighbors and the people in the district and bring that viewpoint or vantage point to the decision-making process, then I'll probably run. So that would be, it wouldn't be Pete's agenda. It would be a conduit for the agenda of the people. Of the people. Now, keep in mind, Mm -hmm. you know, on virtually every issue you come into, it's got us 70, 30, 60, 40 splits is the way it works out. Um, so it's, it's difficult to compose things like that in a, in a representative. And that's what I, one of the things I'm wrestling is how do I represent all the people? All right. Well, that's what I got to work on. If I find a solution to it, I'll be running. Mm -hmm. But Do I go with the majority? I should. That's what democracy is founded on. Right. Okay. But I also feel very badly for the few people who are adversely affected by things that take place in this town. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people are now complaining about the construction on Poway Road. No question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huge topic. We should have throttled back. Mm-hmm. We should have done things, two stories, setbacks, one at a time. Right. That's too late. No, it's too late. That's cash and concrete. Yeah, the uh, horses are out of the barn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, those people are still going to be, those neighbors are still going to have big structures next to them. So how do I make it equitable? And not just for District 1, I'm talking across the street from District 1, which is District 4. Part of the thing that works on, somebody complained about this on Facebook, about the way the current districts are split up, the fact that they split on Poway uh, Poway Road, District 1, District 2, Mm -hmm. and then District 4 on the opposite side. Well, the concept there is that if there was an issue, let's say the outpost, that's a District 4 person and a District 1 person issue. We both have front yeah. frontage on what is the outpost. District right. 4 more than District 1, but the two representatives yeah. should have gone to city council with the other two sitting there. If the other two were saying yes, then it comes down to the mayor. And there's a recall mayor of us. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So... I got to see what goes on. Okay. Well, you got plenty of time. Does that answer your question? (laughs) I hope. (laughs) You got lots of time. You know, so, I mean, people, the filing deadline is like in late July or August or something like that. Um, So Ed has one more question, and he was asking you, Pete, um, I wasn't on earlier, but how long have you been in Poway, Pete? We moved here, and soon as I heard rumblings, I, we were down in Kearney Mesa. I'd just gotten out of the service, okay? And I was down in Kearney Mesa, and I was looking. We had moved to Kearney Mesa. Wendy had moved from Kearney Mesa from Pacific Beach 
because she was tired of being into the overcast. Okay. We were getting depressed living in Pacific Beach because it was cloudy when you went to work and it was cloudy when you came home. Mm -hmm. Moved to Kearney Mesa, it was sunny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, now that I got out of the service and we're looking for a permanent home, you know, for the whole family, where do we go? And there was this little podunk little community that people hated to travel to because it was way out there <laughs> called Poway. Right. And they were going to become their own city. Ooh. Because they didn't like the way San Diego was expanding. And I said, we're moving to Poway. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't have the money at that point in time to buy the place, but we bought a rental and we moved into uh, Hill Country Drive in District 4. Mm -hmm. um, then the industrial park was talked about. I fought against the industrial park. That's right at the end of my street. Hill Country Drive yeah. was going to stare into the industrial park. Right. All right. It's like up the hill, right? They were going to change Pomerado Road, which they did. Mm -hmm. All right. They were going to put in this new road all the way from the freeway out to 67 and take all of Poway's traffic away. And they did. Sort of. <laughs> Poway Road's thicker than ever. Community traffic is way up because we got people from North County coming down into Poway to go to work in the South Poway Industrial Park. Right. Twin Peaks is a busy street. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. So things happen and you fight them. They happen anyway. And you got to put up with a mess. All right. So, yeah, I came to Poway right when they became a city. So 1980 is later. I like to say to answer your question directly. Okay. But it's because... The reason we came to Poway was school system. Yeah. Our kids were entering school age. Right. And there's no argument there that the school system was very good. Uh, all three kids have went on to college from Poway with no issues. Right on. So, um, yeah, it was well worth that. And on Hill Country Drive, I slowly watched San Diego coming over the hill. So I moved to... East Poway. Okay. Off a garden, off a garden road. Actually, not Garden Road. It was Golden Way, the last street before you hit Garden mm -hmm. Road. Okay. All right. Um, and but now, and I fought against the Palisades, folks, which is where I live now. So I'm a hypocrite too. So remember <laughs> that when I run for politics, that I have some hypocritical things. But you've been active in our community for a very long time. Yeah. You um, you get behind issues you feel passionate about uh, uh -huh. that you think affect not just you, but your neighbor's way of life. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring up something I didn't bring up earlier. I said about 60, 40 and 70, 30. Yeah. The vast majority of that 60 or 70 number could care less about what happens in Poway because they leave in the morning to other places in San Diego. They work all day and then they come home. Mm -hmm. They don't want to get involved in anything. They want a good night's sleep and get ready for work tomorrow. Right. Yeah. This yeah. is a commuter. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a protest about the water bill. People were complaining about the water bill. I said, well, did you sign the protest? Did you sign a petition? No. Well, how can people hear you? Yeah. If you don't make it 
visible that it bothers you. So one of the reasons I got away is how do I represent the people who uh, who are the 60 and 70 percentile? But don't do anything. Don't say anything. They're like a form of a silent majority, <laughs> you know? Bingo. Yeah. You, uh, can't, you can't have that in a representative government. The no. People have to let you know. Correct. So, but, but people are busy with their lives. They're busy, you know, going to work, getting their kids to school, getting the kid to soccer practice. I mean, yeah, they, sometimes they don't have the time, the energy or the interest to really get involved in civic matters. And for that, this community is a great community. Come down to Candy Cane Lane. The people that come through that Candy Cane Lane at Christmas time are great people. Oh, every one of them. Every one of them. Yeah. And Christmas brings them out of their house. That's right. So. We've got a couple more questions here. Um, Did you say you were a submariner? (laughs) Yes. Well, now now we really are going to get into something here. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Before you jump on whatever bandwagon you're going to jump on, let me clarify. I was what they call a rider. If you were a submarine sailor and you hear me describe it as rider, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, yes, I valued my time riding submarines with every bit of passion I can possibly muster. It, they were the most fantastic people I ever worked with. The missions were absolutely spectacular, and they've allowed me to have a very good life. Well, you've shared with me in the podcast and separate from the podcast, some great stories mm-hmm. about your adventures and the people you met and the things you learned and the things you see, saw along the way. But there's also a lot of times where we're talking about submarines and you have to stop short yep. because you're not allowed to talk about certain things. Yep. And I respect that. I mean, you take great pride in what you did uh, in the Navy um, and, and on, a, on a submarine. What we did. Excuse me. What we, yeah, you were part of a group, part yeah. of a collective. Part of a group. Yeah. Now, I was a little bit more. I was the maintenance guy. So I was one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the mission had a lot more people. Oh, of course. Of course. And everyone plays their part. Yeah. Yeah. I swept the floors. <laughs> hey, someone's <laughs> got to sweep the floors, you know? No, it, 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 no it, in all honesty, it's exposed me to technologies that have done me well throughout my life. Yeah, but so. you've told me stories. I mean, you did a lot more than just sweep the floors. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you've shared with me all the stories of yeah. working on sonar. That I can. Yeah, yes. that you're allowed to share. But yeah. uh, if you get to know Pete, you'll learn more about submarines than you probably would ever thought you'd learn about in your whole life. I've never really known much about him until I met you. It's absolutely amazing. Nine years of my life I spent in the service. Yeah. Three years submerged. Submerged. Three years submerged off of the face of the earth entirely. Three years on shore duty. Three years in school. Okay. That's a. Uh, they trained me for three years, and remember, if I told you the beginning, I joined the Navy because my dad wanted me to go to Brown University after high school. And I said, "No, I'm done with school." <laughs> it's an Ivy League school. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm not, done with school. I don't want to go to school. I want to. I want to do stuff. I want to be active. I want to do things. Yeah. So I joined the Navy, and they put me in school. 
don't know. But you joined um, during the Vietnam War, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that, I'm sure that probably sent shivers down your the back of your parents to a degree, right? Yeah, but I, I sat my dad down when that discussion came up. And I said, the best way to confront a bad situation is for you to face it head on and figure out a way around it. Hmm. All right. Join the Navy. Not too many sailors going in country into Vietnam. Right. Ships are off the coast. All right. Water shallow. Submarines. <laughs> Can't get close. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are ways around it. Good for you. That's uh, strategic thinking right there. Well, <laughs> when you're confronted with my senior class, I lost several friends to Vietnam. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's very near and dear. So Ed Bright brings up a couple of points here on the live stream. He says, um, well, that's my exactly my my belief about the commuter community. You're talking about Poway. The, yeah. uh, but he goes on to say, Ed says, I only brought up the submariner thing because my father-in-law was for his entire career. And it was a very unique group even to this day. So Ed has Absolutely. probably experienced some of this indirectly through his father-in-law. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys are a brotherhood, right? Submariners. You guys stick together. Sometimes we had to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ed, I know where you're coming from. I uh, hope you can live through all his sea stories because he's probably got a shitload. <laughs> well, you know, th- a lot of this conversation started here with like, are you going to run for council? And I know you're still considering it. Yep. Uh, but I hope you do. I mean, I really do. Because you're thoughtful. Um, you have perspective and history on what's going on in Poway. Um, you have a unique approach that's different than a lot of the other candidates as far as this piece of represent representative democracy. government. Yeah. That's I mean, what, you you so get it. It's what we were started out this country with is representative government. Right. All right. Yeah. The problem is that once you get into the system, Okay. Once you become a Democrat or Republican, Mm -hmm. and I thought for a second before I picked which order I said there, (laughs) okay, you become cast into a group. Yeah. All right. And it wasn't a mistake the way I handled the last time. I'm a Jeffersonian Republican. If you're curious about what that is, you can look it up. It's a good marriage between what are political parties today. Mm-hmm. So, um, not an independent, John. Sorry, you're not getting me in your camp. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> I like being independent. You know, then I can maneuver as I see fit and and pick the ones I like. Well, regardless, if you want me to become a council, city council person, yeah. and run for the election. I'm going to ask that you become a Jeffersonian Republican for the election (laughs) and vote for a representative government. Okay. Well, I can't vote for you. I'm in District 3. I know, I know, I know. But Um, there are others out there that are hopefully, when we come around to this next election, hopefully I'm going to see some other faces. 
Yeah. Well, there's only one announced candidate. There's always going to be more that'll jump in. And yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm looking for, I, I love the political season. It's just a lot of fun. There's yes, drama. There's, uh, you know, good guys and maybe not so good guys. And uh, everyone's got an agenda. And it's, to me, it's fascinating. It's like uh, reality TV, yeah. uh, but it has real life implications here for our community. So, um, Wow. Anything else popping up here? Not really. No. I mean, we, you know, I, I still haven't even gotten to my Elon Musk uh, video, uh, but we can keep going if no. you like. I mean, no. you know, no. I'm enjoying this. Look, you're fighting a very important battle. You are. Okay. All right. I completely and totally understand the need for EV. Okay. All right. I know you're going to get into that topic. I will, but maybe from a different angle than you'd expect. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to talk about the infrastructure that that's going to need. Correct. That's part of it. All right. Thinking about the people who are living in a condo somewhere downtown Mm -hmm. where the condos were built Mm -hmm. in 1970s. Right. That's an issue. It is. It's a legit issue. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Um, no, I, I I stick to my Calypso because Calypso is important to me because of a parking lot at Lincoln Senior High School in Lincoln, Rhode Island. Mm. Can you share that story with the audience? You shared it with me once before. Okay. It's a good one. Um. Uh, do you want to go into details or just a quick one so you can get on with Evan and I can It's, get a, out it's up to you. I mean, right. who am I to, like, tell Santa what to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I learned to drive, I did not have a car of my own. I had to borrow my mom's car. It was a 64 Chevy Biscayne brown four doors. It didn't even have a radio. Oh, man. I had to buy a transistor radio about the size of your keyboard there. Mm-hmm. It sat on the bench seat. Okay. But on the different, you know, the transmission hump. Yeah. And that's where my radio was because I didn't have one in the dash. So that's what I drove to school. And this is the mid-60s, folks. There were Mustangs, GTOs, 442s, Camaros, Stingrays Mm -hmm. in the parking lot. And I was parked all the way down at the far end, furthest away from the entrance to the school in my brown four-door Biscayne. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I had to walk past all those other cars every damn day. And so, you know, that became a sports car. Any car right. would have been better than what I had. Mm-hmm. And that became a life goal to me. All right. And I started off Austin Healy's, MG's. Mm. I drove a lot of European sports cars, but then the Corvette. My dad 
had been purchasing stock in North American Aviation. And one of my sister's friends who was going to Brown University and getting his engineering degree in an Ivy League school, he had been putting himself through school in Rhode Island on a Vespa motor scooter. Wow. All right. That guy sacrificed for four years of college education driving around Rhode Island on a Vespa motor scooter. In the winter. In the winter. Yeah. But he came to my dad and asked my dad, where should I apply for my job when I get this engineering degree? And my dad, thinking he was the intellectual on things that were going on, said, North American Aviation. You'll be involved in the space program and military systems and all sorts of things. The guy took his advice. Rick Croto is his name. And one day, my dad's sitting in his recliner in the living room, and I'm playing around. I was in the room, and all of a sudden, the rumble that everybody now knows is a Corvette. Hmm. You could hear it coming down the street, and it was getting louder, <laughs> like the jingle bells. Yeah, thing. yeah. And it stopped in front of the house, shut off. And my dad goes, what in the hell is that? <laughs> and he gets up out of his recliner and he goes over the window and he looks out and there's this Corvette parked in front of our house. Rick Croto got out of the driver's side. He had bought a brand new Corvette with his first paycheck from North American Aviation. And my dad said, damn him. He's spending all my investment in the company. <laughs> And I said, I'm going to buy a Corvette someday. Good for you. So, yeah, I bought three now. <laughs> I'm okay. my third one, but still, yeah. Yeah, it's time. And it's time for me to go so you can get back. Well, Tony Russo on the live stream also, he's chiming in. He goes, here I come. Yeah, I think Tony's going to run. I think Tony's going to run. <laughs> yeah. So I think Tony... I don't, I don't know what district Tony's in. It's, it's one and three are the ones that are up for, for election, right? Yeah, I'm, I, I know one's up. One and three are the two. Yeah, the, the, and then, of course, the mayoral seat is going right. to be up for election. So, um, yeah, Tony, man. Should I run for mayor? That's another option. No. <laughs> well, if, if Voss sur survives the recall, which, again, I, I think if I'm a betting guy in Vegas, I think he'll survive. But if he survives, no doubt there's going to be people running against him, just like there was last cycle. I mean, there were about five or six candidates running for mayor last time. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll see a similar thing coming up next year. Managed growth. Reasonable. You know, I'm Terrascan. Yeah. Poway Road's traffic. So I'm taking the route, road past City Hall, past the school get on the terrace can and come out. And I sit at that intersection now waiting to make a turn on the Poway road because mm -hmm. I want to bypass everything that's down further east. <coughs> I was looking at my phone for some reason, sitting and waiting for the light to turn green. And I looked up and all of a sudden I felt like I was in Pacific beach. Those condos that are right there yeah. next to the street, yeah. next to the sidewalk. No setbacks. No setback. Yeah. It's Pacific Beach. That's what passed through my mind. Yeah. 
we didn't want power looking like this. Yeah. You know, but here we are. Here we are. And I remember talking to candidates in 2018, you and others, because it was already known at that time that the Poway Road specific plan was going to allow for no setbacks. And there were a lot of people that were very upset about that from the start. But those are the very few people, the ones that are well informed and are active in local civic affairs. They did their dig and they discovered this. But yeah, 99% of the people in Poway had no idea until it was built. And then they went, oh, my God, what is this? You know, yeah. there's a lot of people that are in that in that situation. OK, um, I'm going to bail on you. OK. All right. So I, I just came in to talk about Candy Kate Lane and you got me off on a politics again. OK, it's OK. <laughs> I enjoy it. And, and I love talking politics with Santa. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all good. Candy Kane Lane is active until New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Okay. So if you miss it, look, Christmas Eve is by far the wildest night on Candy Cane Lane. Really bizarre things happen. (laughs) Oh, you got to tell me what's happened in the past on Christmas Eve. Double decker buses. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, Massive numbers of people. Okay. Um, But. It's a pain because it's tough to get into on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. All right. And like you say, a double-decker bus has got to do like a 16-point turn to get yeah. through that cul-de-sac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, I think of my mom a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she used to get on the tour bus from her assisted care facility, which comes through the neighborhood here. Okay. She used to call it the Tacky Lights Tour. <laughs> Wow, you're talking about my neighborhood. Not tacky. It's well done. I'll say that it's not tacky. Some of the neighbors have gone. Just short of ludicrous. Yes. It's in excess. (laughs) You you decorate to in excess. So it's all good. You get carried. Anybody else got any question besides Uh, Tony, who I'm going to ignore because he's a competitor of my vote? Yeah, good way not uh, not to widen power road. Ed Franklin goes, he always goes to politics. Yes, Ed, I do. I always go to politics. I enjoy politics. I like talking about it. And I don't think there's enough discussion of local issues. Now, politics isn't always just people running in races. But it's about what's going on in our city, our greater community, some of the issues that people are battling over. Politics; those are issues. Issues. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear the issues, which is why I listen to your podcast. Yeah, well, thanks. You talk about the issues, and there's not a lot of coverage of like local issues, especially like in our hometown of Poway. Right. I mean, so yeah, yeah. So Ed, I always go to politics. Yeah, I do. Um, Tony Russo says, "Love Candy Cane Lane." And Ed says, already been there. Looks great. Merry Christmas to you and your family. So Merry same Christmas to you, to you Ed. too, Ed. And so, Tony. And everybody else that's listening. It's a great thing. I'm going to go uh, hop on the reindeer. Okay. Take my 488 <laughs> reindeer powered, whatever it is, and get out of here. All right, my friend. All right. So everybody else, pay attention to him. If you see something go by, just ignore it. Yeah, that's right. So Tony Russo saying about family, about what we can make it better for our kids. Yeah, right on. So um, that's what that's all we're doing here. A lot of things that we discuss on this podcast ultimately are about making our community better. They're about making our way of life better. Mostly so we can 
live a better quality of life. And yeah, a lot of us have children and go to schools here and we all want to live in a nice place. And so the challenge is, is that different people have different visions about what is good and what is nice and different levels of tolerance for things that they don't like. So, uh, but we'll talk it out here on the podcast. So I always invite guests on the podcast to, to discuss things and sort things out. Um, Okay. So we are going to get into, I just want to check one thing here and okay. Um, We're going to now get into this Elon Musk thing, which was kind of the title of the podcast. And uh, we're going to spend some time discussing the Elon Musk interview with the wall street journal, where he had a conversation with um, in front of it was a conference of CEOs um, from various comp- uh, large corporations. And, you know, they had a, they brought in Musk. He was uh, there by satellite. And uh, Pete, we'll see you later, my friend. See you. Okay. Um, he was brought in by satellite and uh, from the from his plant in Austin, Texas, and was discussing things about electric vehicles, about infrastructure. They talked about SpaceX. They talked about taxation and government and government in, uh, regulation and government involvement in business. And it was really amazing. It's like a 30 minute interview. And I'm not going to play the whole 30 minutes, but I'm going to play part of it. Um, and just offer a few comments. And plus, it'll just give me an opportunity to experiment on the podcast, showing a video during the podcast and then being able to comment on it, which is I'm hoping to do a lot more of that. So it's just not me in a monologue. But but just to kind of make this more local before we jump in, you know, here in San Diego, they just approved a $160 billion plan by SANDAG, you know, the San Diego Association of Governments, to, to do this massive transportation um, infrastructure bill, right? And, they, you know, it's been discussed for a long time, but now Sandag has approved it. They've really essentially said, we approve of this as our vision for San Diego County. And, it, you know, it involves high-speed rail. It involves electric vehicles. It involves more buses. It involves more express lanes. It's a lot less freeways and a lot more public transportation. And essentially Sandag has embraced this plan, this vision, but they ha- they they stopped short and said we don't embrace the way that it's being proposed to be funded because it's the proposal for funding is supposed to be on a per mile basis for um you know which would involve potentially having GPS trackers on people's cars or odometer readings or I mean there's a number of other creative ways they can do it. Um, but, uh, they stopped short of that. And I think ultimately that's going to have to come to a vote of the people to approve it. But the point is, is this is all part of the planning process for the future vision of San Diego County. And it's all part of the evolution of how these ideas are discussed, how they're debated in public, how they are approved by local political leaders, which Sandag is, is partly that. Um, and then eventually the voters. So it's all part of this process. Um, and right now there's a lot going on. I mean, we got like Biden's infrastructure bill, which we've talked about on this podcast. That's that's having a big impact on transportation. But then there's a lot going on with with Tesla and a lot of these other companies. And so that's what made this Elon Musk interview so darn interesting. So what I'm going to do here is uh, I'm going to play part of the video and. He starts off 
um, being asked some broader questions about government. And he gets into the the federal budget deficit and a few other things. And I I just want to open up the discussion on this. Again, I welcome your thoughts and comments. Um, Feel free to type them in on the live stream on either Facebook or on YouTube. Okay, so here we go. We're going to do this screen share and we're going to pull up the Elon Musk video and should be on our screen here and I'm going to play the video and, and we're going to play here. And this is the portion um, where he's talking a little bit about, they, they were asking him if uh, Joe Biden was going to give him a friendly call. He said, I don't think so, you know, because he's been uh, zinging some barbs at Biden. And I think the two of them don't necessarily see eye to eye, but let's, let's hear what Musk has to say here. It's like the, the, the federal budget deficit is insane. Um, you know, it's like $3 trillion federal uh, expenditures are $7 trillion. Uh, federal revenue is $4 trillion. That's a $3 trillion uh, d- difference. And uh, if this was a company, it would be a $3 trillion loss. So uh, I don't know if we should be adding to that loss. That seems pretty crazy. Um, something's got to give. You can't just spend uh, $3 trillion more than you own uh, every year and expect, uh, you know, don't expect something bad to happen. I, I think, you know, this is not good. So right here, we're, we're seeing Musk that's actually he's commenting about the federal budget deficit, which I love, because usually when CEOs are being interviewed, um, they usually sort of kowtow to a lot of what the government officials have. And Musk doesn't give a damn. He calls it out like he sees it. And he says, you know, because this is leading up to some of the discussion on the infrastructure bill. And he's saying how it's just senseless the way. The federal government is managing finances, um, that there is no sense with, um, uh, you know, any sort of fiscal uh, prudence, fiscal responsibility. It's just they just spend our money, sink the nation deeper into debt and seems like no one cares. Matthew Brandigan on the live stream says the first thing I'm thinking is what in the hell has he done with his hair, which is great. So well, I'm going to continue with the, the video here. I may elaborate on that. The, the, the deficit is more than three trillion when you look at uh, the uh, future obligations. So it's uh, seven trillion of current expenditures. But the it's, it's much more than that if you look at future obligations for Social Security, Medicare and, and, and so forth. So we're running this incredible deficit. I, I, something's got to give. I, I, I don't know. So, again, great that he's doing this. But, yeah, Matt, his hair, unbelievable. So if you're watching the video, I don't know what in the hell Musk has done, but he has, like, shaved the sides of his head on both sides. And then the top of it is just this mop top flop of hair. And have you noticed? I don't know. It's This is a, a thing I've noticed with a lot of leaders when it's like Boris Johnson, you know, the prime minister of the U.K., Donald Trump is another good example. And there's a lot of others where it seems like some of these leaders, these, um, you know, kind of business celebrities, political celebrities, they're embracing the crazy hair in a way. It seems like it's not just carelessness, like they don't care. I think it's strategic. I, I think it's they're trying to get noticed. And I think they're trying to get people to talk about them more. So I think this is very well calculated what he's doing with his hair. Um, Yeah. Matt Brannigan says, yeah, it looks like a badly fitted toupee. I agree. It just looks ridiculous, but you know, people are paying attention to him because Elon Musk is, you know, the world's richest man. Um, He's worth, I don't know, like $350 billion. 
Um, so now he's going to talk a little bit here about the infrastructure bill. And to me, this is fascinating because this will talk a little bit about electric vehicles and some of the things that Pete and I were just talking about a moment ago. Mitch McConnell said something similar. It wasn't too, uh, not as uh, extreme as you. Um, but just, okay, so let's say his follow-up question is, okay, Elon, you don't think we need to spend anything on the infrastructure? If he says to you, what is the biggest improvement we can make to the U.S. infrastructure? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you say? Uh, I, I think we, we generally could uh, have better airports, better highways, um, and uh, you know I think uh, that that uh, especially in in cities that are congested, we've got to do something uh, to deal with the extreme traffic, uh, which I think is some combination of double deckering freeways um, and building tunnels. Um, but if, if we don't do something, um, we will be stuck in traffic for forever. Um, and uh, as autonomy vehicle, uh, autonomous vehicles come to the fore, um, and it's it's easier to drive without going through the pain of of having to drive to drive yourself, which which is absolutely coming, uh, and will be one of the biggest transformations. Uh, yes, in human civilization. This is, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. On the road, um, and the traffic will get much worse. And so we really need to do some combination of tunnels um, and, uh, or, or like I said, double deckering freeways. I'm not a big believer in, in flying cars. They're basically helicopters with wheels um, and people don't want. Uh, the- See, what I love about this is he's talking about, you know, fresh ideas. And, you know, he's he talked a little bit about autonomous cars. And this is the vision that I'm fully on board with, because when cars are going to be autonomous, we're going to see safer driving. We're going to see people being able to get where they want to go much more quickly. Now, there will be potentially more cars on the road. And that's why he's talking about having, um, you know, double deckering the freeways and tunnels, which I think is pretty innovative. But it's that kind of thinking, I think, that's important for us to, you know, get beyond, you know, because a lot of times we we see, how should we say, we, we see the current road system today. And we say, how could it possibly work for us in the future? What are the things we need to do? And immediately the conversation usually always goes to some form of mass transit, whether it's rail or bus or something like that. But there's rarely ever any other kinds of discussion, any other alternatives. And I like that Musk is talking about it. Now, granted, he is the CEO of Tesla and Tesla makes self-driving vehicles and some of their you know, initial technology is very promising. You know, I, I have a, um, a Hyundai Kona electric vehicle and it, when I, I don't have self-driving mode, but it has sensors on it that are unbelievably good. Um, that when I'm on the road, it will tell me when I'm getting near the edge of the, the lines, if they were on the freeway and the car will actually turn on its own to stay in the center of the lane. It has that kind of intelligence now. And this, technology is going to just keep improving and improving till we get to the point where our cars are, are going to be essentially like the, the Johnny cab that was in uh, total recall, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where it's an automated attendant, an automated driver. And then when we have automated electric vehicles, we're going to be able to have cars travel in swarms. We're not going to have looky loo traffic because 
We won't have humans. They're going to be distracted. Humans won't be trying to drive and look at their phone at the same time. So it's going to be safer. It's going to be faster and it's going to be better. And I like how he's embracing this. Now, I want to get to um, uh, his comment here that was I found to be very interesting, where he talked a lot about the role of government. And let's let's go to that spot here. Go that you think government should really just be hands off when it comes to innovation. Though with this bill, there is a lot of support for EVs, and it could be the, the biggest change that we've seen uh, throughout the country in terms of the infrastructure of EVs, and it, and it helps Tesla. What do you think the role of government should be? Um, I, I think the, the role of government should be that of like a referee, um, and you know, like, uh, and and uh, but not a player on the field. Um, so. Um, generally, you know, government should, I think, just try to get out of the way and and not uh, impede progress. I think we're, there's a general problem, not just in the U.S., but in, in most countries where the rules and regulations keep um, increasing every year. Uh, rules and regulations are immortal. They don't die. There's not a natural... Occasionally, you see some law with a sunset provision, but but really, otherwise... The vast majority of rules and regulations uh, live forever. And so if more rules and regulations are applied every year, and it just keeps growing and growing, eventually uh, it, it just takes longer and longer, and, and it's harder to do things. Um, and there's, there's not really um, an effective garbage collection system for removing rules and regulations. <laughs> so that's great. I mean, uh, can you imagine when we says a garbage collection system for rules and regulations – He's right. I mean, as government passes a lot of these regulations, they just layer one on top of another to the point that there's so much bureaucracy that a lot of these corporations need to navigate through that it's cumbersome and it's it hinders innovation and it hinders progress in a lot of cases. Now, granted, he, Musk is also saying he likes government to act as more of the referee rather than a player on the field. And I agree with him on that point. But he has been the beneficiary of government as a player on the field, whether it's been the subsidies that people get for buying electric cars, you know, because you can get as much as $7,500 federal tax credit for them. And he's been the beneficiary of that because that money typically all goes to Tesla. Um, but he's also been the beneficiary of a lot of other government, you know, interference with the economy, like in terms of like, uh, you know, carbon tax credits and those sorts of things where really his business, Tesla, if it wasn't for the carbon tax credits, it would have been probably a losing uh, money proposition the last few years. It's only been because he can sell carbon tax credits to other automobile manufacturers like Ford and General Motors is he able to put his company into the profit line, into the black, as it were. Um, So it is a little hypocritical for him to say this, but I do like some of his message here. He goes even further, and let's, let's let's go beyond it. Um, and so, the, gradually, the, the, this, this hardens the arteries of civilization, um, where you're able to do less and less over time. Um, so, I think government should be really trying hard to get rid of rules and regulations um, that perhaps had some merit at some point, but uh, don't have merit uh, currently. But there's very little effort in this direction. Um, this, this is a big problem. And we, I also want to come back to you later. I know that you do have some other stance on sort of AI and what the... the okay, so we're going to jump ahead here. And um, let me just see if I can find the spot here. It's at the 820 mark. 
And here we go. And this is where he, he talks a little bit about the subsidies that Tesla gets. And it varies from, from, from one week to the next. Um, but, you know, just going back to that, that infrastructure bill for a second, because um, um, sometimes the criticism of Tesla is like, hey, Tesla gets all these subsidies. But it's worth noting that for the, the vehicle purchase tax credit, the $7,500, Tesla stopped getting that like two years ago. So we've, uh, whereas um, uh, everyone else, I think, except for GM, still gets the $7,500 tax credit. So all of our you know, sales this year and I think last year were, uh, had nothing to do with the, 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 the tax credit because we were no longer eligible because we'd made so many electric cars. Uh, Tesla's made roughly two thirds of all the electric cars in the United States. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. That's amazing. Two thirds. Um, so, yeah. So Tesla's made basically twice as many electric vehicles as the rest of industry combined. Um, and we, we don't need the $7,500 tax credit. Um, I would say, honestly, I would just can this whole bill. Don't pass it. That's my recommendation. So, yeah, he's he's basically saying don't pass the infrastructure bill. And, you know, we've we've broken down the Biden infrastructure bill and the pros and cons of it. But to me, it's fascinating that, you know, he's saying we got the subsidies, but we don't really you know, they maxed out the plan. So Tesla is no longer eligible for them. I think it's once they sold, I think it was 200,000 vehicles, then they no longer can get the to, the subsidy. But he'd wanted, he would want to discontinue the subsidy for everyone else, including his competitors, which then this is a little bit, I guess, two-faced um, because it would put him in a more strategic competitive position because he's already had the run-up of his whole EV business built on the backs of that subsidy. And now he wants to essentially take the rug out from under his competitors on it. So, um now, this is this next portion of this, and there's only a few more segments of this that I want to show. This next portion is he talks about the electric vehicle charging infrastructure. And to me, this is a fascinating topic because, you know, we have two EVs um, and there's a lot of hesitancy that people have about getting an electric car. In some cases, there are a lot of myths that people believe about electric vehicles um, particularly that there's not enough infrastructure because you always hear government talking about how they need more electric vehicle charging infrastructure. The reality is, is that at least for a family like us, 90% of our driving, we charge from our garage. Um, we have a charging station in our garage and we, I mean, my wife drives a Tesla model three. She has never ever had to use a public uh, charging station. She does 100% of her driving with charging in our garage with a Clipper Creek EV charging station, which, by the way, is powered by solar, which is kind of a cool little ecosystem, a, a cool little uh, power plant we have up on our roof. And then for me, I only need the charging infrastructure when I go on road trips. And even when I do, they're building right now. It's being built aggressively by private companies to the point that I've never, ever had to wait in line to charge my car. I've always been able to pull in to any EV charging station and just charge. And it's never been a problem. But right now there is this push to have government fund more electric vehicle charging stations. And Musk had some comments on that. What, what about what about the, the support, though, for the charging network? I mean, there are there are parts of this bill. And, and, no, no. I mean, you know, do, do we need support for gas stations? Huh, we don't. Great point. So, 
uh, there's no there's no need for this uh, for, for support for a charging network. I would delete it. Delete. <laughs> so you're hearing the, the laugh because this is actually a um, a call in front of a live audience. Um, it's a it's an event, a conference sponsored by the Wall Street Journal. There's a bunch of CEOs in the audience, and then Musk is actually being you know satellite live streamed in, um, and this person's on stage interviewing him. But yeah, yeah, delete them. Um, now, funny thing is when Pete was here, if you remember, right before he walked out, he, he commented about electric vehicle charging stations and how it's troublesome. Uh, like it's easy for someone like me because we've got a three car garage and we can, you know, install one and it's no problem. But if you live in an apartment, if you live in a condominium complex that's been around for a while, well, you may not have the ability to put a charging station in, you know. Now, some condo people have their own private car garage. And that was true of us when we lived in Carmel Mountain Ranch. And we could have put in an EV charging station back then if there was that was a thing. This was back in the 90s. But for most people, you don't have that option. Now, that's changing. And it's changing even without government. We're seeing now apartment building complexes and condo complexes that are putting in charging stations. Not because government's telling them, but they're doing it because they want to have a mechanism to attract renters and attract home buyers to their facility, to their, um, to their community. They're using it as essentially as a customer magnet and they're using it as a way to provide additional benefits, additional services for which they can essentially charge money for. Um, but it is, I mean, Pete brought up a fair point, but if you live in an older apartment building, you're not going to be able to just plug in your garage like my wife and I do. And for those people, it is going to be difficult if those buildings don't have the charging stations. And yeah, for them, we're going to need charging more public charging stations. But I'm telling you, if you ever get on the app, it's called plug share. You can see where all the electric vehicle charging stations are located and already, I mean, sure, we'd love to have more infrastructure, but it's not like there's not enough. I mean, there's already a lot and a lot of it is not being used. A lot of it is still idle. I mean, how often do you drive by a gas station and there's zero cars there? Rarely, but that happens all the time with electric vehicles uh, where the EV charging station is just empty and I'll, I'll drive up to these things. There'll be four or eight units and they're all empty and I'll just roll in and plug in, and it's not a problem. Every once in a while, there might be a second or a third person, but I never had to wait in line. Now, granted, as EVs become more prevalent, uh, more people own them, there's going to be a need for more charging stations, for sure. We don't have enough now to meet future demand, but I know that a lot of people have this perception that there's not enough infrastructure right now, and that's one of the reasons that they don't get an electric vehicle, that they're clinging to essentially a myth. Um, so Musk had his comments about that. And um, the 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 next segment here, I'm going to just do two more segments of this video. The uh, the host went on to talk a little bit about Musk kind of downplaying the subsidy and how that impacts his competition. So let's hear this segment here. OK. All right. I'm literally, I'm literally saying get rid of all subsidies. And but also for oil and gas. If you think about also how this affects your competitors, is that is that impact how some of your view on this? Um, I mean, maybe they need it. I, I don't know. 
Uh, but I, I think just generally, uh, I'm in favor of deleting subsidies. I mean, when we started Tesla, there were there were no EV subsidies at all, and gasoline was super cheap. Uh, we did not anticipate any subsidies. Uh, that that came later, and and that came the the seventy five hundred dollar tax credit came as a result not of Tesla activity, but of, of General Motors lobbying for it. Um, so you know, um, I would just say just just delete them all. All right, but oh, there there's some other good things in this bill. Some would argue. I mean, a lot of money earmarked for R and D. Would, would you want to put that towards something? No. Okay. All right. See, now, again, if we just said there, there is a hypocritic, uh, hypocritical angle to this because he was collecting the subsidies, right? And now he wants to delete them, which would put him in an advantageous position. And even though, yes, yeah, someone like General Motors might have been lo- the ones lobbying for the subsidy, well, General Motors is a huge corporation, right? They could find a way to fund this. And they've already done some great things with the the Chevy Bolt. But there's a lot of upstarts, like, you know, this company Rivian that they've now released. They were the first ones to release an electric pickup truck before Ford did the F-150. And by the way, the Ford electric F-150 is not available yet. They're just taking pre-orders on it. You can put a deposit down. But there's a lot of companies like Rivian and there's a number of others that um, that are these innovative companies that have been, uh, Fisker is another one, that ha, um, have been created in many cases in Silicon Valley, in, in other parts of the United States, not in Detroit, but innovators that have been coming forward with their own electric vehicle platforms. Now, again, I don't agree with the subsidies either. I mean, to his point, I think we should you know, get rid of all the gasoline subsidies too um, and just let the best form of energy win. Uh, rather than rigging the system, because when they do have these subsidies, ultimately it helps out, um, you know, a lot of these corporations and the shareholders behind it. And that's the other interesting angle with with Elon Musk that I find fascinating is, yeah, he is the world's richest man. But every one of his businesses gets money from the government, um, whether it's Tesla, whether it's SpaceX, whether it's Solar City. Um, you know, the revenue stream that he gets from the, the federal government is massive. Now, one could argue that that's how the game is played. Um, you know, maybe he's not lobbying for these things, but if that money is on the table, he's sure as heck going to take it. Um, and from that perspective, I don't necessarily blame him, but he is kind of in an impure position to sort of make some of these, these comments. Um, now, this video is going to go into just a little bit more where he talks about tax policy and then we'll wrap this up. So let's let's hear a bit more. All right, All right. we're going to move on from the bill because I think we get what uh, you're saying on it. In, in general, we, we should just, we, we, if we don't cut government spending, I, something really bad's going to happen. This is crazy. Our, our, our spending is so far in excess of revenue, it, it's insane. He's right. Um, like you could zero out all billionaires in the, in the country. There's almost like anti-billionaire BS. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, if, if you zeroed out all the billionaires, you still wouldn't solve the deficit. All right, I'll ask you another question around uh, the billionaire BS. Say tomorrow we, we've talked, you get the phone call from, uh, from President Biden. Next day, actually, we decide, we, we elect you to Congress. Somehow this happens. You're now working on tax bills. You're, you're working on tax policy. What, what is, how do you tax someone like you? How do you tax billionaires? I, I mean, first of all, I pay a lot of tax. I mean, my marginal tax rate is like 53%. So that's not trivial. Yeah, 53%. Now, it's funny. There's actually just in the last few days, there's been a Twitter war 
between Elon Musk and Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, where she's angry that he's been made, you know, time person of the year, which actually you can see on my YouTube screen is one of the recommended videos. Um, but uh, she's angry because, you know, she wants to tax him more um, and claiming that he doesn't pay taxes. Now, granted, he makes his personal money. You know, he doesn't pay himself a salary. The only money he gets is when he sells shares. And in many cases, he's forced to sell shares just because of the way the system is set up. And so when he sells those shares, he's paying capital gains taxes on them at the federal level and at the state level. And, you know, does that add up to 53 percent? I'm not sure, but it's not like he's not taxed at all. Um, but let's go a little further with this video. Um, and, uh, you know, and then obviously there's like, you know, uh, uh, asset-based taxes, the sales tax, and, and everything else. Um, there's also the estate tax. I, I, and generally, I, I think, I think the, the estate tax is, is a good tax. Um, like, if you think of uh, assets beyond a certain level um, that, that are far beyond, uh, let's say, somebody's ability to consume, um, then, you know, at a certain point, really what you're doing is capital allocation. So you're, you're not... It's not money for personal expenditures. It's it, what you're doing is, is capital allocation, and it, it does not make sense to take uh, the the job of capital allocation away from people who have demonstrated great skill in capital allocation and give it to uh, you know an entity that has demonstrated very poor skill in, in capital <laughs> allocation, which is the government. That is so dead on, and this is a great comment because there's a lot of people that really support the estate tax. They think that. Um, you know, the, the estate tax should be a hundred percent. There are some people that believe that um, there's some people that believe that uh, if you have assets, when you die, you know, uh, any significant amount, it should be taxed at an extraordinarily high rate. Well, he makes an interesting point because what, what do people do with their assets? They're typically investing them and the people that have invested them successfully and have done well with it have created wealth that they use to not only power parts of the economy and drive other parts of, of business. Uh, they, they also use that, those dollars for like Musk, you know, donates money to philanthropies. He, he's innovative. He, he puts those, his dollars where it makes sense, where he gets a really positive return that has a net benefit, not just for him but for the people around him. He says, why we should, we should take away that resource allocation from him or others that have been successful and give it to the federal government, who's, as he said, is running a $3 trillion deficit that can't manage their finances at all. So, again, I, I just think that was just a fabulous point. Uh, I mean, you can think of the government essentially uh, as a corporation in the limit. Uh, it, it is, it is a, the government is simply the biggest corporation with a monopoly on violence and with, and where you have no recourse. So how much money do you want to give that entity? This is really good. This, this segment here. I want to move on to some product stuff. Sure. I I mean, I can talk for for a bit longer if you'd like than the half an hour. Um, If if you're worried about getting through all your questions. Um, uh, (laughs) I hear we have nobody else joining us at this conference. (laughs) So he'll get to his final point right here. I mean, Government is a corporation in the limit. So, um, if you, it, it is the most corporate thing. It is, the, it is maximum corporation, um, and it, but it's also a monopoly. 
um, and, and also is the only one that's allowed legally to do violence. So why, why would you want to give a, a corporation with no competition that, that can't even really go bankrupt um, more money? Um, now, now, it's not as though I think the government shouldn't exist or that they're not good things that the government can do or, or things that are necessary for the government to do. Um, you know, for example, a, um, you know, science programs where, uh, you know, we, we send a probe to. So he, he goes on further and I'm going to stop sharing this screen and bring it back to the regular podcast view. But it's, it's just some really fascinating comments that he had in that um, in that in that conference that was hosted by the Wall Street Journal. And if you want to watch the rest of the video, it's like a 36 minute video and it's great. And I mean, if you're really into, you know, finding out some more details about his plans with SpaceX, his plans with um, artificial intelligence and, and driverless cars, he, he speaks to a lot of that in this discussion. And, and to me, it was great. Um, and I just like his candor. He's um, he doesn't he in many ways, he just says what he believes, you know, it's, it's not politically calculated. And, um, and to me, it's very refreshing when I hear this and his, some of his primary points are things that I strongly agree with where he wants government to essentially be a referee rather than an active player in the field. Now, again, there's like, there is some, some hypocrisy with him on this, but I think he's speaking accurately about the right way to do it. And the other point about the electric vehicle charging stations, I'm, I don't know if we, did we cover it in this where he said, is the federal government subsidizing gas stations? Of course they're not. So why are they subsidizing and paying for electric vehicle charging stations? I mean, it, some of these things, and granted the, the infrastructure bill has been passed and you know, that's going to happen, but and there is a great need for a certain amount of infrastructure, but it's still silly to me that it's a federal program rather than something that's more state or even local. I mean, we can make an argument that we need greater infrastructure here in San Diego County, but should a single mom in Topeka, Kansas be paying taxes to increase the infrastructure in San Diego? I don't think so. To me, a lot of this should be funded locally, but at any rate, um, I just wanted to share that. And I also just kind of wanted to try out doing more, of these podcast episodes where I can bring up a video and go through the video with you. So hopefully you like that. Um, and Pete was here with me and it was, this is a really fun one. We had a little bit of a change of pace here with our camera and trying new things in the podcast. So um, today's the 15th um, midway through December. Um, we are planning a trip during the holiday season, but now with Omicron ramping up, we're not sure if we're going to reel back from that. So I'm not sure I was originally, this was going to be my final podcast of the year, uh, but we may do another one depending on if I'm in staying in town or not. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I just want to wish you all a great holiday season. If you are interested, you can always go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. And if you are interested in financially supporting what we do, um, there's a, a donate button there where you can leave a couple of bucks if you want to help. And every dollar I get in this podcast, I'll be reinvesting it uh, to try to grow the audience, uh, to try to make the, the podcast content better. But if you are so interested in supporting us, you know, with a little bit or a monthly, uh, we'll be happy to take it and put that to very good use. 
Um, but if you also go to my, uh, my website, John Riley project, you can sign up for all of our, um, on our mailing list. You can even get access to all the links to our social media where we have, where we continue that conversation. Okay. So gosh, we're approaching two hours here. So I want to thank everybody that was involved in this. You know, Pete came by, uh, earlier today or about an hour ago, and we love the conversation with him. Uh, Candy Cane Lane was fantastic. And if you have a chance to go check it out, um, I really encourage you to do it. It's a beautiful thing about Poway. Um, so for all of you, I wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and a Happy Festivus, a Festivus for the rest of us. That's on December 23rd. Uh, hopefully you all celebrate your holidays and we'll be back at you real soon. If not in the next week, then definitely right after New Year's and we'll be rolling with more podcast content. This is the John Riley Project. Thank you very much. And we'll be back at you. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.